Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Before we go further into the episode, I'm going to give a trigger warning. In this particular episode, we are absolutely 100% talking about uh, CSA, CSM. We're talking about the Josh Duggar case. It's going to be mentioned. So if this is something that is upsetting to you or triggering, you might want to come back next week. I don't want anybody to, uh, to have any issues from this. And because of that, there's a programming note. The episode that was going to be on Wednesday. I'm moving to, or today, this Wednesday, I'm going to move to the following week in the episode I was going to do about the commercial space race. I will do sometime later on in the year. So now that I have mentioned all of that, I'm going to bring on my guest today. He grew up in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, which is adjacent to uh, the Institute of Basic Life Principles, and his name is Phil Q. There's more after the Q, and I'm not going to try to say it because I'm not good at that. So anyway, Phil, why don't you go ahead and say hi and give maybe if you want a brief rundown on on your past. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, definitely grew up uh, in IFB, Independent Fundamentalist Baptist uh, denomination, for pretty much my whole childhood. You know, from before birth till 18 um, or 17 or so when I went off to Baptist Bible College. So uh, I've been pretty entrenched uh, in that theology um, for my, you know, whole upbringing pretty much. Um, Then, you know, kind of got out of the Baptist world for a little while and and explored some Mm -hmm. other Christian denominations like Calvary Chapel and Methodist and some non-denominational stuff, which non-denominational is just in Virginia anyway, is just code for Baptist, you know, but it feels, it feels cooler, you know? So, um, so yeah, I've kind of run the gamut of like the major Christian denominations. Um, but yeah, my, my upbringing was definitely pretty rooted in, uh, the IFB theology and, and, uh, yes, I spent my, my, from, from definitely in utero on, I was, you know, in church anytime the doors were open and sometimes we opened them. So, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a fairly intimate knowledge of the inner workings. My dad was a, a, you know, IFB pastor, um, that didn't happen till later in my childhood, um, somewhere, somewhere around like. 10 or 11 um before he became like a a full-time pastor Mm -hmm. um but so so i've got that pk thing too being in there and seeing and and, you know what you get from that is you get to see behind the curtain you know of the inner workings of the church and the politics and the board meetings and you know what happens after the board meetings when pastor dad comes home and you know (laughs) that kind of stuff so so yeah it's uh 
had a rough it's, it's day. Been eye, it's been eye-opening. Yeah, it's been eye-opening for sure. And, you know, when I look back on it now, like kind of post-evangelical, you know, it's like, oh, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of horseshit that went on, you know, that you just don't realize because it's just normal. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you find out, Oh, you know, that's not really normal. The majority of the world doesn't live that way. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just real quick before we move on, maybe you could uh, go ahead and sort of tell us the difference between, uh, IFB and Southern Baptist. Because so, other yeah, than I mean, having Baptist in the name, I know there's a difference. Yeah, I mean, independent fundamentalist Baptist, in, in my experience, was, you know, they were very big on the idea of it's not a denomination with hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the churches that I grew up in were independent of each other. Um, they had their own, you know, pastors and, and headship and all that kind of stuff, but they didn't answer to any higher they they didn't answer to any higher authority outside of their own church. Now there was like a fellowship of like-minded churches, you know, that would all get together and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was not a, like a hierarchy. And, and I think Southern Baptist, you know, is similar in that way, but, you know, I think theologically there's not that much difference between Southern Baptist and independent fundamentalist Baptist, um, mm-hmm. you know, because, I, I went to a Southern Baptist church here in Virginia um, for, you know, three or four years. My, my wife at the time was a worship leader there and I was on the worship team. Uh, and to me, the theology of the IFB and the Southern Baptist was, was pretty similar from what I saw. Um, okay. Granted, my IFB growing up, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't really super delving into the idea of all the deep theology. It was just like, obviously, being entrenched in that from such a young age you don't think critically about what the theology is teaching you you're just right that's just what it is um so yeah i I don't think i've ever really dug in too much about the differences between the two but in my in my experience i feel like they're definitely similar you know as far as you know the roles of men and women uh you know in the home and in the church you know Mm -hmm. those to me uh, are similar i think ifb would tend to be more legalistic you know Mm -hmm. about things like you know i I went to seminars as a kid that you know specifically taught against you know rock music and even minor keys and (laughs) in music and Uh, and women wearing pants you know women wearing pants was like you know a sure ticket to hell you know and then the southern baptist church i went to you know that pastor drank wine and didn't have a problem with dancing and, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, you know, like how progressive, you know, so, <laughs> that man's a pig. so I think, it, I think it wasn't quite as rigid, you know, on the legalism side with that. Um, but there was definitely still the roles of men and women that was there. You know, we did have a minister of music who was a woman and, mm-hmm. you know, but we, and then eventually actually at that church, they did hire a, um, a woman to be the associate pastor you know, which I was like, Oh, that's wow. pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so, and that was, you know, this is only like 10, 12 years ago, you know, 13 you know, years ago, something like that. So that's pretty recent, I guess, in the world of Southern Baptist. And I'm sure there's some Southern Baptists that would be like, yeah, we're not down with that. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and in the IFB world, that would never happen. You would never see a woman stand in the pulpit for any reason other than to talk about, you know, Sunday school or, or choir, the bake sale, the right. things that the women were for, you know, 
you know, women can teach Sunday school, but they could never teach adult Sunday school unless it was a women's class, you know, right, right, um, right. can't be taught. They couldn't teach men and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So just sort of before we get into like more serious topics, did, is there the monthly after church potluck? Because that is fully Southern Baptist. Oh, yeah. Well, that's Baptist across the board. I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, Baptists are notorious for their potlucks. That's, um, that's, I think it's, it may be in the bylaws of every Baptist church that, you know, you've yeah. got to have a potluck and you, it must be filled with casserole and Pyrex. And, yep. you know, you will never go hungry as a member of a Baptist church. That's for sure. Um, now, that if you're, true. if you're out on the street, you know, that's a different story, but, you know, well, yeah, yeah. You know, but if you're a, a sandwich when you're homeless, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Um, sort of, I guess, more getting more to the meat of the sort of podcast today. Yeah. Is is the IFP? Are they more of a homeschooling type situation because they don't want the kids to go to public school because you know they'll turn to Satan and listen to rock music and all of that. Is it a pretty strong homeschooling environment? Yes and no. I mean, I would say that public school was definitely like, I went to private Christian school my entire Mm -hmm. uh, elementary, middle and high school years. My parents were terrified of public school because I might learn about evolution. I might be exposed to, you know, all, all manner of evils that Mm -hmm. were, um, you know, running rampant through the, the public school. Um, so my parents, uh, I don't think my parents really ever thought much about homeschooling, but there was definitely people I knew um, that did homeschool. Uh, I also grew up in New Jersey. Um, so I don't know if homeschooling was as, uh, you know, popular mm-hmm. um, in New Jersey. I, I, mean, I know, I know a lot of people here, like in Virginia, IFB and otherwise that, you know, do homeschooling. Um, but there's definitely a, uh, you know, a fear of the public education system for sure. So I think the, you know, the whole, they're definitely afraid of, you know, you're, you don't want your kid going to public school because they're going to be indoctrinated. You know, right. and you even see this now. I mean, I see this now in my I, public school board meetings when I go to it, you know, they're, they're not even IFB, but they're definitely conservative evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're raging about, you know, their kids being indoctrinated in the public schools, you know, about critical race theory and, you know, yeah. you know, everything like that. So there's definitely a mistrust of the public education system that is in the IFB world, um, whether it's private Christian school or homeschooling, you know, mm-hmm. I think the homeschooling thing is probably more on the like really ultra conservative I had friends growing up that they had um, seven or eight kids. It was a pastor friend of my dad's. They had seven or eight kids and they homeschooled all of those kids, you know, and they were, they were more conservative than I grew up, which is kind of hard to fathom looking back at now. But like, if we went to their house, they had an above ground pool. I remember, and their, their daughters couldn't wear bathing suits. They had to wear bathing suits. And then like pants and a shirt over the bathing suit in the pool, you oh, know, wow. and they homeschooled and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah. so, so yeah, the homeschooling culture and the mistrust of public education, definitely, definitely a thing, you yeah, know, for sure. Yeah. It Homeschooling is really big here in Oklahoma. And I've, 
I've known multiple friends that have homeschooled their kids and uh, two of them, one, her son is legitimately in Mensa. And even at the private school, he was too far advanced for the school. So she homeschooled him so he could be taught at his pace. Yeah. And my other friend, uh, people or friends, um, they homeschooled their daughters because uh, their one daughter was being bullied pretty bad. And so they homeschooled, but they entered, they got him into a homeschool co-op. So it was sort of mm. homeschool maybe plus. plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah and honestly, that. I don't, I mean, me personally, I don't, my wife and I have talked about, we talked about homeschooling, you know, when the pandemic hit, because, you know, we weren't sure about the quality of the education we were going to get virtually, you know, mm. and you know, I've got four kids ranging in age from now two to 11 you know, so my wife is, you know, got a master's degree in education and taught in special education. So if, if anyone could have homeschooled, she could have, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it would have been difficult to do with having two school age kids. And then two at the time that the pandemic hit, we had two under two. Um, so that would have been pretty hard to actually pull off, you know? And so yeah. we were like, yeah, it's not going to, but we did buy some, you know, secular homeschooling curriculum stuff to mm-hmm. supplement the um, public school virtual stuff because they were only going to school two hours a day, yeah. you know. So, so I, I don't see anything wrong with the idea of homeschooling if you're looking for, you know, academic, for if it's academically oriented. But you know, right. the majority of homeschoolers, that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it Correct. to completely control their children's education and what they're exposed to. And that's where, you know, I would have an issue with it, you know, because, you know, and in addition to that, there are certain disadvantages to homeschooling, you know, from a social development standpoint. Yeah. Um, and those can be mitigated by doing the co-op and, and things like that. Um, but someone in an IFB would never do a co-op in the traditional sense of what exists in the homeschooling world now, you know, it would have been, if you had a co-op, it would be, you're just going to get all the kids in your compound to get together and do, and do, uh, you know, some kind of prayer meeting or, you know, some kind of, you know, some kind of casting out of demons or, you know, whatever, walking on coals, you know? So, um, so yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, when that pandemic hit and all of the, stuff with school from home i was never happier that my children are all adults <laughs> you know for that. sure especially because my sister she has four kids and just watching what she had to deal with because it ranges from uh seventh grade to kindergarten so yeah. it's just like oh my gosh this is just horrible and her oh it's brutal yeah and her, i feel yeah. like some schools some schools did it really well and some schools didn't, you know, and, you know, some kids fell behind and some, some kids didn't, but, but the upside is that most everybody had the same issues with the virtual schooling. So everyone, when they got back to in-person school, they were kind of all in the same boat. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it worked out, you know? So, yeah. 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 Well, I, the reason I sort of brought that up is because sometimes I feel with that sometimes with some people, homeschooling is used because it can on top of you don't want them exposed but it can also hide if there's any sort of uh, like physical abuse going on or something like that since teachers are mandatory reporters if they never see a teacher right you don't have to do that disclaimer i'm not saying all homeschooled kids are abused 
right just no some. <laughs> yeah well and the you know the other issue with that is you know if you're just your everyday parent you're not trained to be a teacher you yeah. know so you you can get the abeka book homeschooling curriculum which is what a lot of you know the christian homeschooling community uses uh, which is just filled with you know, indoctrination, fundamentalist Christian indoctrination, you know, and, you know, that's not, to me, that's not really education because you're, you're not, yes, you might be teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but you're also, um, you know, the more, the majority of it is a lot of spiritual education stuff, you know, so yeah, yeah, that's the other thing from an educational standpoint, you know, unless you're, you know, trained as a teacher. I mean, I think a lot of people, they underestimate the amount of skill that your everyday teacher has and they think, Oh, well I can do that, you know, and maybe some people can, but the driving force between behind a lot of that is power and control, which is Mm -hmm. big in IFB, you know? So the parents want power and control over their kids and it's going to extend to education. So. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, As you were sort of talking about the power and control, I I have done some research on the IFB. I was shocked to discover in the 50s some of the big names in that. I think it was Jack Hiles did not like uh, Billy Graham because they thought he was too worldly and liberal. And I spent <laughs> like a week like with my mind just blown that someone considered right. Billy Graham too liberal. Right, yeah. And, unless yeah. you were talking about the wrestler, superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> that, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's hard to even fathom when you hear about some of the like levels of conservatism. I mean, I kind of hinted at it at the beginning, you know, like some of the stuff that I was taught as a kid about, you know, things now that now are just like, even in Christian circles as accepted things like psychology and counseling. You know, when mm-hmm. I grew up, I, I remember um, an evangelist that used to come to our our church like every year for like a week long revival thing. Um, and I remember he, he preached an entire couple of nights about the evils of psychology, you know, and how that was just opening a gateway to the demonic realm and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I said this earlier jokingly, but like he, he preached about that minor keys in music were evil, <laughs> you know, because, right. you know, and I, you know, you think about that now, it's like, like where would you even come up with the idea that a minor key is evil, you know, because it's sad and it takes your attention, you know, away from the joy of Christ or whatever, you know, but I mean, they did it. Rock music was evil, you know, drums were evil. Pants on women were evil, you know, cutting your hair for is your woman's evil. Oh yeah. Wearing jewelry, you know, I mean, yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah was a thing, you know, and Jack Hiles, you know, my parents were definitely into Jack Hiles and Bill Gothard and, you know, all those super fundamentalist people that were real popular in the, in that, in that age, like in the, yeah. you know, they became Christians late seventies, you know, I was born 76, um, you know, so eighties and nineties, you know, that was, uh, that was big stuff, you know, and yeah. it still is. I mean, that, you know, uh, I remember the satanic panic. Yeah, satanic panic, back masking of rest records and all that I, stuff. I like, remember that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was absolutely not allowed to listen 
to any type of rock or pop music that was not Neil Diamond until <laughs> like my mom loved Neil Diamond <laughs> until like 19, I guess it was 84 ish or something. I got caught in my room listening to the local pop station and my mom was mad and she called my dad in to come and yell at me. And my dad just sort of looked at her and he's like, uh, he's going to listen to that music. It's stupid. And he's like, do you like this music? And I'm like, yeah. And he turned to my mom and said, you can listen to the music. And yeah. my mom was just sort of passive enough that she was like, okay. So my younger brother and sister owe me a lot. Oh, yeah. I missed out on a lot of good queen music because oh, they absolutely. were big into the back masking. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got in similar trouble listening to the most innocuous of bands, U2. You know, which, you know, looking at them now, they're actually three out of four band members are Christians, you know, yeah. but they weren't the right Christians for my parents, you know, they right, were right. Catholic or, or whatever. So I, I, I got caught with the U2 CD sometime in high school and they were like, oh, I can't believe you're listening to the secular music. And, you know, I was like, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. And so, well, of course, what I logically did as a rebellious a-hole Christian kid was, well, I just found all the Christian hard hardcore music right you know so so now it's completely unintelligible deeply distorted guitars speed metal drums and i would just say well it's christian you know and they were like yeah but it sounds like devil music i'm like well read the lyrics you know you know? yeah i'm They're like you yeah know. but you can't understand the lyrics i'm like well that's okay god knows their hearts you know so because <laughs> you just jumped over striper and went right to the the ultra oh yeah yeah no stuff. yeah i skipped I skipped all the skipped the hair bands and went yeah, right to, right to the hardcore christian stuff you know so yeah 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 so i guess i need to my add is showing here i'm i'm going on side quests um <laughs> it, it happens to me frequently my my wife is a saint um <laughs> so i know most, you sort of mentioned of them it, are. yeah i meant you sort of mentioned it earlier that it's pretty much the power there's a power structure but it is definitely man space 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 wife you know and then the kids women are not right. treated even in the home situation though the man has the ultimate say of everything and then that structure is like even more amplified in the church is that safe to say oh yes 100 percent. yeah in the home you know dad is is king all i mean i i'm pretty sure the ifb church you know invented wait till your dad comes home you know, that was, you know, that was, that was, I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that as a kid, um, I probably might've been able to delay entering the workforce, you know, and, and oddly enough for me, my mom was actually the worst of the two, as far as discipline goes, she was, you know, emotional and prone to, I was definitely spanked my entire childhood. And some of those spankings were not well-controlled spankings, um, you know, so when my mom said, wait till your dad got home, I was like, thank God, you know, because my, my dad at least was like more measured and, um, you know, less emotional. And now, you know, I probably back then I would consider less abusive, you know, now I think it's all abuse, but, right. you know, yeah. So, yeah, but the hierarchy and the, you know, the male dominated patriarchal thing is is super pervasive in the home and in the church, you know, it's more pronounced, I think, even in the church, because, you know, it, it will get preached from the pulpit, you right. know, 
the pastors will preach about the role of women and the role of men. And, you know, they'll think they're being real edgy when they preach at the men and say, if you're not, you know, the leader of your household, you know, blah, 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 you know, so the men are supposed to, you know, get a fire lit under their ass and then really, and really take the reins of their, of, you know, of their household. So, I mean, I think a lot of, of men that grew up under that thing, you know, when you get into a relationship as an adult later on, you, you just, that you're programmed to think that you're the friggin' you're the king, you know, and so yeah. it's not, yeah, there's not, there's no striving for equality, you know, in that sense, you know, I don't think, but the funny thing is, I don't think that they would necessarily admit that. Like my parents would never say, oh no, we were, a, we weren't a team. We were a team, you know, we were equally authoritative, you know, but like if my mom wanted to do something that my dad didn't agree with, that would have never flown. Like, right. Yeah. Dad so, had ultimate, the ultimate. Yes. Yeah. Veto power. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was all encompassing. If, you know, my mom wanted to do something and dad wasn't down with it, it wasn't going to happen, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, as I was doing my research, it sort of hit me that if you are a guy and you are narcissistic, controlling, you know, a control freak. You got to make sure everybody does what you want. Uh, the IBLP and Independent Fundamental Baptist, that is like the religion for you to be in because it is. Oh, ab- absolutely. It is preached. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and it's fed to you as like, that's your role from God to basically right. be the, God's representative in the home. Like that expressly taught, you know, yeah. so well, anything that the, the dad does is sanctioned by god you know mm-hmm. and so you know that opens your your whole thing up for all kinds of problems with you know abuse and and then you you know you would see wives or whatever would be terrified to speak up about it you know because and they would just take it that they would just be like well that's just how he is you know i don't yeah. there's nothing i can do about it you know i have to submit you know submission was a big a big thing you know and yeah i'm I'm sure you've seen that thing that goes around that it has the umbrella and it says God. And then there's the smaller one underneath it. That's dad yeah. and the smaller one. Has it ever occurred to them that that's not how umbrellas work? Because each no. level of the umbrella has water coming off of it. Well, the first one is big enough. None of the other ones are going to have water. Co- that's just always irritated the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's, you don't realize there's no water coming through the first umbrella to the second umbrella. Duh. <laughs> yeah, because if the first one's doing it, if water's coming through, it has holes in it. <laughs> right. Right. Which, I mean, that's a whole other story to get into. Which right. We've right. both gotten into on the different podcasts. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there's a few holes in that very top umbrella for sure. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, as in the course of my research, I came across an article that was done by the Fort Worth Star. It was actually a series. And I want to say it came out in like 2010, but it was just sort of, it was about abuse that has happened, physical, sexual, and it, it was long. It, I'm a fast reader and it took me like five hours to read all of them. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. And yeah. one of the things that I noticed, and it comes back to, I believe what you were saying with that power structure was if there was say a youth minister or an associate pastor that got busted or caught uh, you know abusing a, a child usually a female rather than notify the police it was handled in-house and a lot of times they would send them to another church which 
you know, the Catholic Church did that with, you know, their priest as well. And I, it just sort of hit me after talking with you that that has to be part of that power struggle. You can't trust, you know, psychiatry. Only in this case, it's where you can't trust law enforcement either. We're the ultimate power because God talks to us and we know how to handle something like this. And instead, right. you're just creating this this circle of abuse that then the main topic of what we're going to get to is like Josh Duggar. And it just feeds into that and creates more of that. And growing up in that situation, did you ever encounter anything like that or see it or know of it? Well, I, I don't think I ever was exposed or knew about anyone who was abused by uh, you know, a pastor or something like that. That doesn't mean that in the churches that I grew up in, it didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. I I was such a sheltered kid. I, I wouldn't have known. I probably wouldn't have recognized abuse in a kid if it slapped me in the face, mostly okay. because I was being physically abused my own self and right. thought it was normal, you know, not sexually, but, you know, the whole, I was spanked as a child and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which it, in my view now is, is child abuse, but I, I didn't specifically see that, but I did see, you know, anytime there was some kind of disciplinary thing that happened, uh, in the church, it was always handled by that church expressly. You know, it was mm-hmm. never, uh, it was never handled outside the church. It was never, and, and like you said, the easiest solution was, well, we just get that person out of the church. You know, um, if it was sexual sin, if it was like adultery, you know, the the idea of accountability only went so far, especially when it was someone that was, you know, a leader or, you know, in the upper echelons of a church and they did something wrong. You know, it was never going to be like, well, you know, we're not going to hand this over to the authorities. We'll just kick them out of the church, you know, and God can deal with them. So yeah, there was never, there was never any real consequences for anyone's actions outside of, you know, losing the fellowship that you had with that particular church, but it left you completely free to go to another church and do the same exact thing, you know, so, and, and you could go to another church and if you had the right qualifications to do whatever, you know, they didn't care why you left previous church, you know, yeah, they might call and say whatever, blah, 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 but if you went to another state or, you know, again, this is the whole thing with them all being independent. There was no centralized reporting, you know, or anything like that. You know, there's no diocese or anything like that. It was like, they were all independent. So, you know, if you went from New Jersey to Maryland and just went to another church, you could just show up there and say, Hey, I want to be a youth pastor here. And they're like, cool, we need people. So, right. And you're in like Flynn. So (laughs) to be fair, I don't think the general Southern Baptist convention has a list of people in the you know pastoral or youth minister because that was one of the things i saw from like the 2019 convention was there were some people that are like maybe we should have some sort of database of people that have done stuff and i'm like that's like a 2005 thing that you you (laughs) probably could have had a server that's been running that for a while (laughs) yeah a a registry of some kind you know i mean Everyone else in the world has a sex offender registry and, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, in, in the church in general, you don't see that kind of accountability because, again, when, you're, when your whole idea is that you're separate from the world and that you're above what the world's rules are, 
right. you know, then you, obviously why would you have to deal with the legal system or the law enforcement system? You know, that was not a thing, you know, unless it was something really obvious that wasn't, you know, like murder, you know, right. or something like that. Yeah. A church is going to not, not going to sweep that under the rug, but you know, your pastor abusing the secretary or abusing kids, you know, for one was going to be kept super quiet. And if you were one that tried to report on it, you know, you were going to get railroaded and yes, it was never going to see the light of day, you know? Yeah. Well, when you ultimately are answering, you know, to God, instead of your fellow man, maybe it's not as imperative that you, you know, turn the person over to law enforcement. Right. God right. will take care of it later. And... Right. Well, and also you can also forgive, you know, so, Oh, let's, if they repent yeah. and say they're not going to do it anymore. Okay. Well, who are we to judge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have to take them at their word because, you know, they're brothers in Christ, you know, so that's what we do. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I'm every time I eat a chocolate chip cookie, I'm like, this is my last one. And you know, <laughs> it's never not. And that's just right. a cookie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. So. <laughs> but yeah. um, I guess sort of now that we've kind of got that in the IFB, is also pretty adjacent to the Institute of Basic Life Principles, which was started by Bill Gothard uh, in the 50s, I believe. And it yeah. got the current name in the 80s. And he was, wasn't it, was it originally called the Institute in Youth Conflict or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Institute in Basic Youth Conflict. Uh, yeah. And I remember that like as a kid, you know, my parents talking about that and going to those seminars, you know for how to deal with rebellious kids and yeah, all that stuff. So that was, I don't now thinking about, it, I'm actually looking at the website now. Cause I'm like trying to, that was a long time ago at this point. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, like yeah. I, I remember a lot of specifics about teachings and stuff like that, but it was, it was definitely like, you know, heavy handed on the discipline and, you know, it, it fed the whole, you know, James Dobson focus on the family care to yeah. discipline movement, you know? So yeah. I, I've always found it odd that the people that are in that are taking marriage advice from a man that was never married. <laughs> and the more I, well, it was something I hyper-focused on with, with my ADD. And yeah. The more I was sort of learning about it, and it stemmed from this odd fascination with the Duggars. And I went into that, and I'm just like, this thing is really just a daddy sex cult. Because it's all about daddy's right. Daddy's always right. And if you're a female and we're married, doesn't matter how you're feeling. If I'm horny, you're putting out. Yeah. And I, I absolutely don't agree with that. They arrange marriages of their daughters, which, first of all, is illegal in the United States, but they get around it. Right. It's barely. But, you know, I, all of the more I learned about, the IBLP, the more disgusted I, I got by it. They teach that, you know, if you're a female and you do get raped, that because your body really isn't your body, it belongs to God. So really the person didn't do that to you. They did it to God. So right. you need to forgive them so that God can take care of it later. Right. And it's like, are, do you know what damage that does to a person mentally for the rest of their life especially if it happens more than once yeah well and if you take that if you just think about it logically for a second 
So you're saying that it's possible for a human being to rape God, who's supposed right. to be all powerful. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that doesn't make much sense there, you know. And then, you know, God apparently can't defend himself. And he's also not protecting his own kids from being molested by his own kids. Okay. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's com- completely it. It's sort of the last election when there were all of these evangelicals, God told me Trump's going to win the election and then Biden won. And they're like, Satan stole the election. And I'm like, well, which is it? <laughs> yeah. You, it can't be both. Cause if God's all powerful and once he set something in motion, it's not going to change. I don't think Biden could have stole it. Just right. And it's really weird how whoever's in office is only God's man that we should respect if they're Republican and in line with, you know, the moral majority, if it's a Democrat or something else, well, then they're not God's man. We got to get them the hell out of there because they're going to spiral the country down, down the tubes to hell. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I, I promise you the only time Donald Trump has ever yelled out, Oh God is when he was cheating on his wives. That's, that's correct. Yeah. (laughs) But just to get a little, anyway, back on topic. So the, the IBLP, uh, Bill Gothard was the man that founded it. Like I said, and in 2013, there were 43 now women, but he had this, what they called it headquarters and people would go and stay there and help run it. And he had 43 women that filed a class action lawsuit against him because he had done, you know, various inappropriate touching and made them wear lingerie and just all of this weird stuff to the point to where when you talk to females, they're literally, if someone came in and they'd go, oh, you're the Gothard type. He's going to take an interest in you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why his principles and everything are basically a, you know, daddy sex cult, because apparently he had some issues. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and sort of the reason I'm getting to all of this is because the Duggars are in that hardcore. They were like the poster children for pun was not intended until after I said it for the IBLP and <laughs> yeah. that that's the situation why where Josh grew up in and because he was grown up and taught that as a as a female you're less than you're not as important as a male right they have to give it to you whenever you want and he obviously didn't have any sort of wall to stop him so it was why is it surprising that he did what he did to his sisters first of all, and right. his parents completely lied on Megan Kelly because they just said it was simple touching and they don't ever mention that he did. I'm trying to figure out how to say it where it's not horrible, but he right. digitally penetrated his five-year-old sister. Right. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's somehow her fault because that's what they, what they teach is that, well, she tempted him. She was, doing this well you guys are apparently doing everything right and your daughter's dressed like little house on the prairie so right well, you know how is that first of all it's never the victim's fault when you get right. that out of the way yeah. but he was practically bred into being what he turned into you know what i mean oh absolutely i mean i have a friend um that actually i met in the baptist church like as an adult in my, mm-hmm. like my previous married life, cause I'm divorced now and remarried, but my, my previous wife was a worship leader at a Baptist church uh, in Virginia. 
and I was on the worship team and there was other people on the worship team. And there was a, um, there was a very young couple in there. They were like in their twenties. Um, and he played the piano and she was like a photographer type person and another person sang and they did like wedding music and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I found out later in life that um, this girl who was married to this guy who was the, the uh, pianist in this little wedding duo with my other friend, you know, he had been molesting kids that they babysat and he had like terabytes of child porn on his computer um and they got married at like you know 18 he was super ifb she was you know in that same realm so she didn't really know any better to Mm -hmm. you know what she was dealing with and she had no idea like she had no idea that he was doing that kind of stuff now she did know that her own you know, relationship sexually with her husband was definitely not healthy because it was like, like you were saying, he would demand it. He also would never let her actually express herself as a woman. He, you know, he didn't want her to wear anything that like enhanced her female features. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, she, after the fact was like, oh, well, the reason he wanted all that was because he was molesting boys. You know, she, he didn't want me to look like a girl. You know, he wanted me to look like a boy, you know, and, and like definitely a dominant relationship where mm-hmm. he was the head and he ruled with a, you know, an iron fist. And she didn't, you know, if she didn't find out about that, she would have never gotten out of it. Like, and, you know, right. obviously she left immediately. He wound up doing prison time and the whole nine yards. And, you know, but yeah, that that kind of mentality is definitely it's bred into that IFB thing, like as as a guy. Yeah. You know, you, you learn that from the, from a very, very young age, you know, and, mm-hmm. and as you grow up and get into like liking girls and dating and all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the purity culture idea, you know, from, from the male st- standpoint was like, yeah, you wait until marriage for, for sex, but then anytime you want sex, once you're married, it, it, it's a, it's a right. It's like your God given right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to have sex from your wife whenever you want, you know, Cause when she said she I do, she gave permanent consent, right? Permanent consent. And um, if, if she doesn't, you know, then, Oh, then you have also like somewhat license to go and cheat too. So it's like, Oh, well, the only reason for, you know, adultery, that's okay. is like, Oh, my wife wasn't fulfilling my needs, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that was, you know, perfectly acceptable. You know, a yeah. lot of times you hear about people getting busted for having affairs and then you would still see them in leadership, you know, a couple of years later because, you know, they would say, Oh, my wife wasn't meeting my sexual needs, you know? So I was justified in it, you know? And, yeah. you know, like, yeah, no, the, yep. Yeah. Anyway, a couple of thoughts on on the Duggar thing, because I did go back and I've watched a few scenes from previous episodes because people have been uploading with things with like Josh when he was courting Anna and then the interview the parents did with Megan Kelly. And something struck me in the interview with Megan Kelly that I don't understand why it didn't get more attention is when they said, well, we talked to people at church and they told us that a lot of the other boys in the in our church community do this. And so we didn't think there was anything odd about it. One, you're an adult. You're in your 30s. You know that that's not right, number one. Right. Yeah. Number two, 
how did that not start sort of like a big thing? Somebody like, maybe we should look into this a little more if it's that yeah. rampant that they didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, if it was that it was that pervasive that you didn't think it was an issue, then that should have raised a couple of red flags externally saying maybe we should look into all of these people. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if any of those other Duggars are doing that shit too. You know, like yeah. you know including including of, the dad and you know all that stuff you know so. I, I have some theories in that but i'm not going to mention them on the podcast because i work yeah. for the state of oklahoma and i can't afford to be sued that's correct so, <laughs> <laughs> but um so there was that but as i went back and was watching some of the footage from the courting it has just struck me that the reason Josh liked Anna from the get-go is because he is a predator of women. Because it was a situation where he sort of knew her and they were somewhere and he sort of looked at her and he was like, God just told me that we were going to get married. Mm -hmm. Well, as somebody who's a narcissistic predator of women, you're going to want somebody who's meek, is going to do whatever you tell them to do. And in that religion, it's particularly preached upon but when you have somebody whose personality is already like that you know, you don't have to be in that for a predator to find uh, a spouse to abuse yeah. in that situation and unfortunately with with his wife anna it's sort of a situation where the abused is also probably part of the an abuser as well i have always worried about his daughters their safety with him because if he's going to do what he did to his sisters, I mean, is there a line? With, well, these are my kids. He would never do that to his kids. Well, he right. did it to his sister. I mean, I don't think he obviously doesn't have a line that he won't cross. So right. that has always concerned me. And, you know, his wife probably know, would have known, I would assume. I'm not going to say without, you know, 100%. But, and, but you just watch and the way he talked to her, like the way he proposed. He's in this restaurant and she's sitting there and you can tell that she's stunned and he, he's holding the ring and he's like, come here. Cause she wasn't getting out of the booth. Well, right. knowing what we know now, I'm like, holy shit, that is like a power play, like right from the get go. And she did, she yeah. just slid out and, and I'm just like, oh my God. And so all of the signs were, you know, were there, but now that we know what to look for, you see them. Whereas before you, right. you didn't because you were still freaked out at, you know all of the kids and everything and yeah well and if you're internal to that there's no there's no radar for that kind of stuff because it, you're it, as a woman you're taught submission from mm. the time you're extremely young yeah. you know so you you don't know any other thing and if, if you were a, a, a female that had any kind of vocal opinion you know that you would raise in opposition to anything that a male said it would be you know you're going to get branded as you know a rebellious you know cantankerous woman and then you know you're going to have proverbs 31 thrown in your face and you know these, this is not how a christian woman is supposed to act you know so right, right. When, when you've had that levied on you for your entire life and then you get into a marital relationship with an abuser you don't have the tools right to, to stand up for yourself you you literally don't have the tools now does that mean that she has no responsibility no right. i i don't agree because like yes there's a certain measure of like you didn't have the tools to but you knew 
somewhere deep inside, you know that it's wrong that your husband is molesting other people and has, right. you know, yeah. oodles of child pornography on his on his computers and you know all that kind of stuff. Like you innately know that everyone innately knows that no yeah. matter what. Um, so you can't you can't dismiss you know her complicitness in it you know after the yeah. fact once it you know like once okay maybe she didn't know about it but once it came out in what 2015 or whatever she should have been okay i'm gone you know that's yeah, what you it, do that's exactly. what you, that's what anyone would do in that situation that's not entrenched in that idea um so you yeah, know and, i feel yeah. i feel horrible for that woman and for their kids um but at the same time it's like you could have gotten out if you part of it if you knew better and mm -hmm. you had the tools but you know at the same time she probably she's trapped you know because who well, else is she going to go to it, you know and i iblp teaches that if a woman leaves her husband that by doing that she allows herself to be filled with demons and you've been as you know if you've been raised your entire life believing in demons that yeah. has to be a pretty a pretty horrible <laughs> Right. You no know, thing and, to have and to also do if, if you yeah, if you leave your marriage, then the husband is free to divorce you, but you're basically prohibited from ever remarrying remarrying because mm -hmm. you're an adulterer. You know, right. so if you leave the marriage so you know, it's it's definitely again that power dynamic. The the male gets off scot free, the woman is fucked for life, you know. So yeah, <laughs> you know, she can't yeah. So how are you going to speak up against that kind of stuff? It, you know, and this is something severe. There's much less, lesser reasons, you know, for someone to separate from a relationship, you know, that you're just going to tolerate if you're in that thing. You're just going to be like, well, that's just how it is, you know, because that's, yeah, yeah. you talk to all the, all the other wives and they're like, oh yeah, my husband does the same thing. So you're like, oh, it's normal. You yeah. Know? One of the, the things that sort of worried me was, you know, in 2015, he had all the issues and what is it, Danica Dillon, Dillon, which was the porn star that, you know, she sued him because she said that he, you know, was beating the crap out of her and choking her. And I always sort of thought it the way at the time that taking Anna off of the TV show might have been bad for her physically, because it occurred to me that he's probably made her do sexual stuff that she does not want to do. Yeah. And if he's also physically beating her, you know, if you're constantly having cameras on you, it might lessen physical abuse because you don't want there to be something seen on a TV show. And that part of me always felt like, man, they might have just given him permission to be even worse to her. Oh, absolutely. Because if he didn't, he wasn't on, she was never on camera. There was, there would have been, there would have been visual, visual proof of uh, anything yeah. that he would have been doing to her, you know, because I'm sure the abuse was probably physical as well as just you know forced sexual labor and unfortunately they're that whole thing i don't know if the ifb is they are big into the uh blanket training and if you don't know what blanket training is basically as soon as your baby gets to where they can move around a little bit you lay a blanket down on the floor you put toys outside of the blanket and if they crawl off the blanket to grab the toy you smack them on the yeah. hand there's a video you can go and watch with uh, Mike and Debbie Pearl. I believe it is still on YouTube, and it's from their book, To Train Up a Child. Mm -hmm. And he actually suggests going to a hardware store and getting a small piece of uh, PVC <laughs> and use that. Yeah. To, to, yeah, and that, 
infants, like six months old. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, that led in, and I mean, that's where James Dobson got his thing from, you know, the pearls. And I actually just learned about a lot of that background stuff in, um, in that book, Jesus and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you read that, but she, I have not uh, yet. author went into that. And, and I was like, Oh man, I didn't realize like how heinous James Dobson was and like and where he got all that stuff from like i had never heard of the pearls i don't think growing up or maybe my parents had but you know all the people yeah. that my parents got their parenting stuff from were influenced by them so yeah and that, that stuff is crazy like the the that stuff is it's outright abuse like there's oh, no yeah like no no one in their right mind would look at that and say that it's not abuse except if you grow up in that world where Mm -hmm. they're like oh yeah spankings and you know that kind of i never heard of that blanket training thing that's some fucked up stuff but um (laughs) yeah yeah, i never heard of that and but yeah but james dobson and those guys they talk about you know disciplining a kid physically at that young age six Mm -hmm. months under a year you know like i i got my youngest is two years old and she does some you know rebellious cantankerous things you know but like i can't imagine having the idea in my head that like, Oh, the way to fix this is like physically beating you, (laughs) you know, like, like, you know, and that was actually, you know, growing up in that mentality, that was a, that was a hard thing to learn, not the not beating thing, but like the idea of like you as a parent having absolute power over your kid is not healthy for the development of the child. No, you know, like I was, I was raised, you know, my parents have absolute power, you know? And, um, so when I, my previous marriage, we never had kids. My, I got remarried. My wife had two kids and then we have two of our own together. And so whenever you come up across a behavioral challenge, your immediate response is like what, what you were parented as. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a kid that has, you know, some behavioral issues sometimes. And, you know, my immediate thing, I would tell my, my wife now, I'm like, he's doing that on purpose. He knows what he's doing. He needs to be corrected. He needs to know who's, who's in charge, you know? And she's like, well, he knows we're in charge and that's not the issue. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not the issue. You know, it took a lot. It took a, (laughs) yeah, he was, yeah, four, yeah. Three and four years old. Like, you know, and I was like, well, because I was raised at three and four years old. If you're rebellious, that's as the sin of witchcraft, you know, and, you know, in the old Testament, they took the rebellious kids out the city gates and they stoned them. You know, I don't know how many times I was threatened with that as a kid, you know, not that they would, but not that they would ever stone me. But, you know, when you, when you levy that kind of power on your kids and they live in that kind of fear, and then you grow up into a man, you think, well, now it's my turn. Finally, I get to levy the fear. You know, right. you're going to levy that fear on whoever you can, your wife, your kids, anyone that you have any kind of power over, which as a man in the IFB world is anyone who's female, you know? So, yeah. yeah. For me as a parent, one of the hardest lessons I sort of learned was that if I was wrong toward the kid, I needed to apologize to them because if I expect them to apologize and own up to their mistakes as a parent, if I don't do the same thing, I'm setting a bad right. example. Right. And it it's not easy after you've you know had to tear into a kid and then you you're like yeah you know i may have tore into him a little too a little too harshly i need to go and apologize for that right yeah it's not easy to apologize anyway but when you're sort of dealing with the kid 
it's right. a little harder because of what you just said. Yeah. And so that was always, that was a hard lesson for me to have to learn. Unfortunately for my eldest daughter, she's nine years older than my youngest child. I learned it in between her <laughs> and the yeah. youngest kid. So she's always like, my sister had a different childhood with than <laughs> I did because you just let her do whatever she wanted. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, no, she didn't do whatever she wanted. But unfortunately, yeah. you were the experiment. Yeah. And yeah, and, I, definitely, I definitely had the same thing because my youngest sister is 11 years younger than me. And when I look at how her child was, the hood was compared to mine, I was like, oh, man, she had all kinds of freedom and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, some yeah. of that was my parents <laughs> learning new things. And, you know, some of it was they were tired, you know, too. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you wore them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to do like a more in-depth uh, dive into James Dobson, Dobson, there is a podcast called Behind the Bastard. And it is where they highlight the worst people in history. It's very thorough. It's generally speaking two episodes. However, okay. it is done with, there is a lot of humor that takes place because when you're talking about these awful people, there yeah. has to be some humor in it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, James Dobson is an alumnus of Behind the Bastard. I think it's about three years old. So you'd have to, <laughs> you know, do yeah. Behind the Bastard James Dobson to find it. But yeah. It is, it is eye-opening and looking back that on my mom's bookshelves, there were multiple books by him sort of is like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, so it's crazy. anyway, that's, that's an aside there, but I guess the whole point of this is, is that when you have a dynamic that is, is as strict as the IBLP is that worships men that everyone else is less than you raise males to grow up it's not even like an alpha male thing it's that's not even the proper way to describe it you raise men with a warped sense of reality so the fact that somebody would especially if they did it as a teenager to other children as an adult go to the even further extreme is really probably not that surprising and is something that I wouldn't even know who you would contact to do that, but it's probably something that the greater law enforcement community needs to look into with, in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, not, it's not a, it's not a big leap, you know, from when, you, when that's how you're raised and that's what you're taught as a, a male. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't sound logical if you, if you're a normal human being, <laughs> you know, because a normal human being looks at that upbringing and says, well, a lot of that stuff doesn't make any sense. And you can obviously see that it's damaging. But when you grow up in that mindset and you don't have any exposure to anything else. Yeah, because you're not allowed you to watch know. TV. You don't go to Yeah, you don't, you don't know anything else. Like you, you literally don't know anything else. So you, whatever you hear from the pastor and from your parents, that's all you've got. If you only are ever getting one perspective, you don't, you don't even know what you don't know. And that's, that's a scary place to be like yeah. as a kid or, you know, as you, and you think about the amount of people that are entrenched in this kind of thinking, you know, that are reproducing and voting and, you know, yeah. doing all these kind of things in our society. And then you wonder why you have things happening in our country now that are like, like, 20 years ago, you would have been like, oh, that, that could never happen here. 
And yeah, now it's yeah. like, now it's like, now it's like, oh yeah, that's just the way the world is now. And you're like, the fuck it is. Like, you know, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I shake my head so much. I have said what the fuck more in the past <laughs> four years, five years than the, the entire rest of my life combined. Yeah. And I was in the military. So I have said the F bomb <laughs> a lot. I've right. had whole conversations with just versions of it as the whole sentence. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> expletive sentences. Yeah, but this these last five years, it's every day you think yesterday can't be topped, and then you're like, oh well, hold my beer, yeah. it can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and so anyway, yeah, the just seeing that when you know that there's probably something like that with somebody, and then they finally get caught. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, like at least it gives you some measure of hope that there is some concept of justice, you know, in the mm -hmm. world. Um, you know, I, I think about that family with him out of the picture. And, but, you know, to me, you would hope that their lives are better. But the reality could be is that if they don't get out of that world, mm -hmm. they're just going to wind up in another situation that may not be the exact same you know, abuse right. or domination, but because they don't know any better, they're going to wind up with someone else that, you know, those kids are going to grow up without a dad yeah. basically. And, you know, I, I don't know how old the youngest kid is, you know, if they have a concept of what well, the youngest kid was is. born in October. Yeah. So that kid doesn't have any kind of concept of what kind of a scumbag his own father is. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the older kids are going to be like, I mean, who knows what the family is telling him about what yeah. their own what what he did you know they're probably saying you know he's gotten railroaded and it's bullshit and we're gonna fight it and oh, yada yada yeah. you know and if and if that's the case you know there's there's less hope for them because they they may never get the actual truth you know and right. that's and that's the sad part of it is like you think okay we got some justice out of it yeah for that one guy right and now he can't abuse anyone else but there's you know there's a systemic problem here that yeah. needs to be addressed and it and unfortunately it doesn't get addressed until you're a freaking celebrity on tv and mm. then it comes out and look how much like what was it 2015 that it came out that he did that shit and now yeah. it's 2021 so six years of it took before justice was served and who knows how much damage yeah. he did in those six years well, would you, you know? like to hear the final wtf abuse moment that he did to his wife anna the not, baby I'm born in sure, october but... They yeah. named, she's named Madison. Oh, Christ. <sighs> you know, See? <laughs> just stop. I'm going to bite my tongue just because like there's, there's some things like with the quiverful movement and all that kind of stuff, like the idea of people with this mindset perpetually procreating is one, is one of the massive problems, <laughs> you know, like, yes. you know, you, you can't, you're you're basically building generations of people that are are not going to ever be able to think critically or no, or know anything outside of what they're born into unless there's some miracle thing that they come across you know in their life that snaps them in the face and maybe this Josh Duggar you know conviction maybe it will be the thing that snaps his kids out and say I got to get out of this shit you know yeah. and you see that with some of the other people you know, and some of these, you know, you hear about people leaving other cults and other things like that and, and something snaps them out of it. And, you know, you just need, 
more of that stuff has to happen, you know, but unfortunately, yeah. you know, to, for that to happen, there's people that are enduring massive amounts of trauma, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, and no. you don't want, you don't want people enduring trauma just for the sake of getting people out, you know, but yeah. people don't take action until it's severe, until it's extreme, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's, it has to hit the 10 sort of the level 10 before sometimes it's yeah. As weird as it sounds, the pandemic has been good in one thing, like Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, um, their enrollment of people that are members has like plummeted because as people weren't going to church and you're not getting that constant brainwashing going on. And other yeah. denominations, their populations are going or membership is going down as well. Oh, and people sure. have kind of get away from going because nobody was going to church. Numbers are dropping right. because it's like the fog is leaving your brain and all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah. You realize that you realize after like nine months of getting your Sundays back that you're like, Oh man, I didn't like spontaneously combust from a lightning bolt from God because I wasn't in church. And then like, well, maybe I don't really need this. Like (laughs) as much as I thought, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, I, I, once again, it's weird times. It really is. Said yeah. that a bunch, but I don't know if I we we did touch on Josh. Clearly, I hope he gets whatever the maximum amount punishment is uh, in terms of prison time, and hopefully yeah. they don't do it concurrent. No, wait. Yeah, sorry, my my brain quit working for a second. But <laughs> you know, I I hope he gets the full forty. Yeah, and spends a long time there and i hope that this is a situation that maybe gets people interested in the rest of that movement that they're in yeah and uh, i I just hope that people get get free from it yeah and learn that life can be just super duper if you're not in that movement demons are not going to possess you right you can listen to minor keys and you're going to be fine You can even wear pants and you won't go to hell. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. you know what, fundamentalists? Hell's not real. I'm, I'm of <laughs> Scottish descent. I wear a yeah. kilt. I yeah. skirt it up occasionally. Oh, God, you're certainly on your way to the hot place. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I actually have three kilts, so take that. Move. Third terrace of hell for you. I know, I know. Once you start, once you start kilting, that it gets expensive. Yeah. It's Once you start buying kilts, you can't. You don't do drugs because you can't afford them because you're buying kilts. Oh, <laughs> uh, funny. They aren't cheap, but yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't even know if this is, I've enjoyed our talk. I thought it was very informative. I don't know if it's quite what I had planned, but you know, when you just wing things because part of your neurodivergent brain, I feel that this <laughs> turned out quite well. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. ADD is not really a disability unless you let it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to know all about, you know, sloths, I'm your man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's been a it's been a good a good chat. I know my yeah. uh, I've had a few interruptions there, so I apologize for that. Oh Hopefully no, it that's wreak too much havoc on the editing process. And uh, it'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah if you uh, if you get the time, listen to my podcast that came out this past Wednesday because I actually explained how sloths disprove the flood. Oh, well, that sounds riveting. Yeah. I'll definitely have to give that a listen. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds dumb, but I'm telling you, sloths are the key. <laughs> Sloths are the missing link. Perfect. They, they truly are. I mean, 
the fastest a sloth could move in a day, like the Usain Bolt of sloths, is a football yeah. field, right? right? I don't think a sloth could go from Turkey to modern day South America in 3,000 years when your maximum speed is 100 yards. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, that's hilarious. And true. It can't happen. <laughs> no, it, it really isn't. And they, there was they no, there was no high speed. <laughs> there was no high speed uh, animal transport back there in the, whenever the flood allegedly happened. Yeah, and if you say, well, people took them with them, then there would be domesticated sloths now. Right. Which would be awesome, but be great. There aren't. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I once again I ADD'd myself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, That's okay. I, I I appreciate you coming on. It was interesting. I learned a lot about the IFB that I did not know beforehand. It's one thing to read accounts. It's another thing to talk to a person that grew up in it. Yeah. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And do you have any sort of, do you have a, a website, your own blog, your own podcast or anything like that, that you would like to uh, plug real quick, give a shout out if anyone was interested. You don't have to if you don't want. But Yeah, I, I don't have a, uh, a podcast, but I do have a blog. Um, it's Phil Q Musings, um, and it's on WordPress. I'm trying to remember the actual URL. It's like philqmusings.wordpress.com, I believe. Yeah, philqmusic.wordpress.com. So I've got that on there. I'm not super uh, prolific in writing on there, but my deconversion story is on there and a couple other pieces and i have a list of topics that eventually i hope to write further on mm -hmm. um so but i if anyone wants to read my deconversion story it's on there it, it's, it it's is very long i have read it, it yeah. yeah it's very long so buckle in for it but um i, I definitely like to share that with people just because if they're on their own journey maybe something in there will resonate with them and, and mm -hmm. hopefully help them on their journey so yeah i appreciate yeah, and, you having me on it was a oh. That was no. a fun time, yeah. And you were also on the Graceful Atheist podcast, if anyone wanted to hear more of a yeah audio version of his deconstruction yeah. story. Yeah, I think I was on three or four weeks ago, episodes mm -hmm. on there, but under my regular name, so I didn't have anything to hide. So right. until my parents, and, and, you know, my parents aren't going to come across that podcast, so I'm, I'm in the clear for now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they might cut so. you off from a Christmas card, who knows? Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and close out uh, this particular podcast. I'm going to end it the way I end every podcast. And once again, I know that it's sort of weird because I, I do cuss a lot, but this is how I, I end it because this is what I strive for in life. And just remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.